Well, I wasn't going to start with the scripture reading because it's already it's it's in the it's in the, the text in a little minute, but I'm going to start with it anyway. Don't worry about the slide, it's it'll, it'll come later on. It's a short little passage, familiar to all of us. It's just so good. I wanted just to get it out there, okay? And it's uh, Philippians 3, and uh, we're going to go verse 12, and uh, verse 12, 13, and 14. We may do a little bit more of it later on. And many of you will know this uh, series of little verses, but they're so good, and it's just what God has in my heart for all of us today. Here they go. Paul is writing. Uh, to the church in Philippi, and he says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Anyone obtained everything? Anyone feel they've arrived? Okay, that's none of us. We're part of this verse, okay? But I press on to take hold of that. In the Greek, to take hold is to be arrested by, to be stopped in my tracks by, to be taken hold of that for which Christ Jesus arrested me, took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but the one thing I do. Church, if you do one thing, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Can I get a hip hip? For the word of God. (laughs) Come on, something. I could just sit down. That's enough. Isn't that fantastic? My goodness, what a what a series of verses right there. All right. Let me pray to just for a second. Father, just help us this morning. And that we need your strength. We need your help. Holy Spirit, you are the the ultimate editor of your word. And and so God, we're all going to hear different parts of this talk. And may the part that we need to hear, Lord, get to our hearts. We'll get the kids later. The lunch will wait. Uh, The visiting we're going to do later on can hold off the homework. We pause all of those thoughts. And Father, we want to gather around your word with with an empty heart in the best sense and an empty mind in the best sense so we can can receive and uh, be encouraged with your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone do a little bit of running? Do a little bit of running. I don't do as much running now as I used to. I'm 50. And... uh, and so, but when, when I would go running, I kind of do no more than about 5K. And if I had to go running, everybody, I get to about 3K and I get to that place of this is a bad idea, okay? You know when you're just too far from home and you're like, I wonder would Uber come and lift me because I just, this has just been a bad idea. It was a good idea when I left the house in the first couple of, that's not so bad, I still got it. You know, but you're moving on in, it's like, no, I don't got it. And uh, so you just want, and so what happens is that when I get sort of 3K in, I start having rows with people in my mind. Is it just me? Anyone else? It's just me, okay. And so I have fights with people from my past, an old boss or whatever, and, and I say all the things in my mind as I'm running. I think it gives me the anger energy to get through the next whatever journey home, and, and I'm given all that, you know, I should have said that, and you said this, and I'm replaying all this stuff in my mind. But in my mind as I run, I have all the answers, Al. I, you know when you have the tip of your tongue and you can't find it, and, you, and then you wish you had said it, remember that, and you you find out two days later, oh, if I had said that, not when I'm running, I have all the answers and I know what I'm going to say and what I should have said. La, 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 la. Anyway, I got home and I'm exhausted from the running and the rowing. Okay, my imaginary, anyone ever imaginary rows? Not just, okay, that's good. All right, that's not just me. All right, and so, and I, was, I remember going home one day and I was telling Judith this, you never guess what I do when I go running. My wife is here. Judith's here. Say hello. 
the power behind the throne, okay? And uh, there's no throne. It's just, just the power. That's it. I don't have a throne. Anyway, and so um, I, was, I was telling her one day, do you know what I do when I get there? I, 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 when I'm running, I fight with people in my mind. And I always do this stuff. And I was telling Judith about it. And boom! As quick as you like. In the middle of this conversation with, with Judith, the Holy Spirit just dropped a sentence in my, right in my mind. And he said this, how can you run forwards and face backwards at the same time? How can you run forwards and face backwards at the same time? And so what I've, I've thought about this. And the truth is, I was finding myself on a treadmill, physically facing forwards, church, but emotionally facing backwards. And how many people know when you're physically looking forwards, spiritually, you know, emotionally going backwards, I want to tell you, you're spiritually going nowhere. You're going nowhere at all. And I want to encourage you, we're all in this together, every single person in this room, we all want to give the impression, okay, because you're all cool and quite good looking, that you are physically moving forwards in life. Oh, I am moving forwards in life. Look at my feed, look at my scroll, look at my reels, look at everything that I'm, I am moving forward. It might be what you lift in the gym, it might be the stuff you buy, the promotions you get, the likes, the, the hits, the numbers that come to church on a Sunday. We want to give the impression that we are moving forward forward, but how many of us really, when we're physically moving forward, we are emotionally facing backwards. And when you live in that tension, we have the capacity to spiritually go nowhere because we're facing one way and facing another. Am I making sense? So how many of us, don't, don't put your hands up, but how many of us in the room, we look like we're going forwards but mostly we're going backwards, and spiritually we are in no man's land. We all know stories that are marred by moments of the past. Churches pining for momentum, maybe young people trapped in shame and regret. Men and women who've paused the progress of their lives, waiting for an apology that might never come. There'll be people maybe in the room that are still offended, still disappointed, still angry. We are looking like we're facing forward, but we are emotionally facing backwards and spiritually going nowhere. Life is on hold. Life is on pause. And when I get the job, when I get the apology, when I get whatever it is I need, then my life will start. Then I will go forward. But that's where you are. It's kind of like treading water. And i got to say, it's no way to live at the start of a new year. It's no way to live at all in Jesus' name. And so today, what I want to encourage you with is this. It's the 29th of January, 2023. And the reality is for some of us, we've been in slow motion going nowhere spiritually for a long time. It ends today. It ends today. We're going to strengthen our grip today, and we're going to move forward. And I want to encourage you as a church, collectively, and you as an individual, ahead of you is your legacy. If you still have breath, how many of us in the room are breathing? Hands up. Do you know there's some people with their hands still down? And you're holding your breath. That's excellent. You're a deep sea diver, one of those boys. We had a friend in church in Cornerstone years ago. He was a deep sea diver and he could hold his breath for five to six minutes. Unbelievable. He challenged us to like a competition. We're all going purple. He's like, eh, whatever. Anyway, ahead of you is your legacy. 
Your mark on the world, the culmination of God's story on your life, your influence, your fulfilled promises, your legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you believe God has spoken over you, over your marriage, over your children, over your lives? But behind you are your lesions. We've got legacy, then we have lesions, the hurts and the wounds caused by yourself and caused by others. And I believe with all of my heart that your legacy today, church, is larger than your lesions. It has to be. And God sees that for some of you, your hurt is eating into your hope. And he wants you to know this morning that the future belongs to those who are relentlessly loyal to their hope and not their hurt. This has to end in your life. This has to go. We have to make a decision today before God through his word and in the community of our brothers and sisters that we are today from this moment on, we are going to remain loyal to our hope and no longer loyal to our hurt. Your hurt's had enough of you. Your hurt has had enough of your heart. Your hurt has had enough of your head. We're calling time on that legacy and we're going to be loyal to our hope and not our hurt. Loyalty to your lesions limits your legacy. But watch this. Loyalty to your legacy transforms lesions into lessons that help lead you. I'm going to say it again. Loyalty to your lesions limits your legacy, but loyalty to your legacy transforms your lesions, your hurts, into lessons. No longer there to limit you, but actually to lead you and go forward. So today we're shifting loyalties. We're shifting loyalty away from the past and becoming loyal to the future. I'm going to bring Paul back in, Philippians 3. And he says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but he says, I press on to take hold of that. Come on, none of us are perfect in the room, but I'm making a decision, Paul says, I'm going to press on, I'm going to move on, and I've got to press on. He's not saying, I'm going to skip on, it's going to be so easy, I'm going to kick up through the tulips and it's going to be so handy. No, no, I've got to press on, pressing's involved, I've got to get engaged with this, this could be tricky, but one thing I do... I'm going to forget my lesions, what is behind me, and I want to strain toward what is ahead, my legacy. And I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I want to give you three things, a little simple strategy that you want to remember, I hope, and a pride of your life that's going to set us free this morning so we can move forward, finally. And the first thing is this, we've got to learn to swap it, to stop it. You gotta stop, you gotta learn, okay? You gotta swap it to stop it. It was 2018 in December, and my dad likes to play a little bit of golf. I used to play golf. Uh, back in 20, uh, 2006, the kids were just about a year old, and all my golf gear went into the roof space, okay? It's made the way down to the garage, that's as far as it's got, okay? So the kids came along, end, end of my golfing career. It was a it was a mercy killing, to be honest. It wasn't a great golfing career. But anyway, my dad came up and he said, let's go play golf. They were staying up for us over Christmas. And there's a course quite near us. He's good at the old golf. And I thought, you know what? Okay, let's go for a beating. And we have a little wager for a pound, okay? 
Big, big money. Pound. Okay, 18 holes. The winner gets a pound. All right. It's worth getting up for. So it's the day after Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day. Off we go to Row Valley Park, and it's got a course there. Half of it's waterlogged. You know, the usual, it's December. And, you know, he's head to toe in neoprene, and he's ready to rock and roll. He's all waterproofed up, and we're standing there. Anyway, I get my old 15-year-old clubs out into the car. Off we go, and uh, we're warming up. You know, you've got to warm up. You do your thing when you have to look. You know, I don't know what I was doing warming up with golf. I was doing something. Anyway, and he, uh, and we're getting ready to go, and he says, you're not going to use that old driver, are you? Remember my clubs, roof space, 15 years old? You're not going to use that old driver there, are you? He says, mind tricks, Al, mind tricks and he's getting into my head and he says I've brought you this and I says what is that he says it's a ping driver okay a ping p-i-n-g they're a make of clubs right it's a ping you want to see the head on this thing okay imagine like a stick and and then this okay massive driving thing you mean unbelievable huge thing it was I said I don't want that well, I've got it for you. Go, I don't want it, but I brought it for you. Well, I don't want it. I'm okay. You know that? Never gets old with your dad. You know what I'm saying to you? I don't want it. I'll be fine on my own. I'll be fine. Take it. I want you to have it. I don't want it. Take it. I've brought it for you. It's your new driver. I've got this for you for your goal. I don't I've got my 15-year-old club. I'll be all, take the thing. No, I took the thing, okay? I lined this beast up and bang, and the Clang that thing made of the ball. 230 yards as straight as you like. Oh, yes. And then my dad was like looking at me going, I wish I hadn't have given him the club. I'm going to lose the pound. And that's what happened. I did. I beat him over the thing. But it was all because I won. And do you know why I won, church? This is why I won. I took hold of something new my father wanted me to have. And it was as simple as that. I finally stopped arguing and twisting and trying to look like I was facing forward and having it all together with my old clubs and took hold of something new my dad wanted me to have. And when I used the new thing that my dad wanted me to have, I went further than faster than anything in my old life could ever produce in Jesus' name. You know where I'm going with this. My dad knew what his driver was like. He knew when I hit it, I wouldn't miss. He knew I would hit the ball further. And that's why he gave me the jolly club. And it's the same for you and me today, whether you play golf or whether you don't. Day after day, week after week, season after season, some of us, we, we revisit the roof space of our memories and we take down the old clubs like Gollum, my precious, and we, we touch them, we pet and we caress and we play the symbols and the hurts and the regrets and even the successes maybe of our old life. And what happens is here we are now today and we're trying to play a new game with old thoughts, a new life with old memories, a new life with old hurts. And it's just not working. Verse 12 says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul took hold of something new that the Father wanted him to have. And the Bible tells us why Jesus took hold of Paul. In Acts 9 verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man, meaning Paul, is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. This is what Jesus took hold of Paul for. And Paul made a decision to grab hold of that. 
What a, what a calling. What, what clarity of purpose. And Paul was no angel. Paul has plenty of old clubs. He's plenty of old memories. Big stuff. Danger stuff. Keep you awake at night stuff. Hope nobody ever finds out stuff. He's all of that stuff. And he goes to great lengths elsewhere in the New Testament. We can find, he doesn't hide it. He defines himself as the worst of sinners, complicit in murder, persecution of Christians, a zealous legalist, and all the rest. And yet, here was Paul willing to play a new game with new clubs. We go to the Old Testament, look at Gideon. Judges 6, verse 34. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizarites to follow him. Gideon is about to rid the country of the, the old Midianites, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Literally, in Hebrew, it means that the Spirit of God clothed himself with Gideon. Imagine the Holy Spirit clothing himself with you. What a weapon you would be. Amen. And that's precisely what happens. Thank God to Pentecost, amen? And Gideon, of course, then brings this great victory. He goes from scurdy cat to thundercat in a moment because he grabs hold of the new thing that Jesus grabbed hold with him. Peter in Acts 2 verse 14, the Bible says this, he stood up with the 11. Peter, Peter, run away Peter, restored three times Peter, denying the Lord Jesus Peter. Peter, Peter, you know that Peter? Raised his voice and addressed the crowd and 3,000 were saved. Why? Because they decided to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of them. And so for anyone that's feeling in the room that we're going nowhere, you've got to swap it to stop it. You've got to swap it to stop it. It's time to regain your clarity of calling. It's time to swap the old life for the new life or at least get that, some faith into that reality. It is time to get new clarity on your purpose and your promise and determine today that I am going to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It is time. We're no longer going to get the driver of anger and play with that. The driver of, you know, bitterness, the putting iron of sadness, the putting iron of betrayal, or whatever it is, the defining event that describes who you are. No, 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 no. Jesus describes who you are. The Word of God defines who you are. Eternity defines who you are. It is time to grab hold of everything that Jesus has grabbed hold of you for and to live in the fullness of who he is and what he has done. Amen? Amen. Amen. The second thing is this, everybody. You got to fix it to forget it. You got to swap it to stop it. Anyone, we got to fix it to forget it. Anyone good at DIY? Oh, I'm in good company then. I have the shiniest tools you've ever seen in my garage. My dad brings them up in hope. He does. I bought you that screwdriver. That's lovely. What do you do with it? <laughs> That's fine. Do you know what I'm saying? That's nice. Look at that shiny new toy. Oh, you got to fix it to forget it. I don't fix any stuff like that. I remember being P5 at school, Balnehinch Primary School, uh, County Down. And there's a girl called Karen. You'll know Karen, Karen Stewart, I bet you. Please don't put this out there. Anyway, we were just messing around. She was in my, my class 
We love Karen. She's no, really doing fantastic. We're very friendly. We were good friends. And we're messing about at the steps at the primary school. And she pushed me just while having the crack. And she pushed. It was a game. It was, she wasn't like being bad or anything. And she pushed the thing, uh, pushed me down. And I fell over these steps. And I hit my wrist against the, the wheel of a car. I hope you know a hub of a car that was moving. I didn't go over my arm, but a bang. I whacked it in, okay. And I remember walking through school, telling Mr. Hughes. You Mr. Hughes? Don't you? Jeff knows all these people. Um, and uh, he's the year above me. He's older. And uh, so, <laughs> just have a wee dig there. Just keep that alive. He's nearly 60. And uh, <laughs> be my uncle, Uncle Jeff. <laughs> There goes dinner. Anyway, um, so I hit the thing, and I wandered around primary school in P5, even to Mr. Hughes, the headmaster. I said, that guy might have broke my arm. And he's like, get back into your class. You know those days? Well, you'll be all right. You'll be grand. It'll grow back. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. But it turned out I went to hospital. I sprained the thing. It was very, very sore. It was very painful. It was painful until it was fixed. And then once it was fixed, you forgot it, didn't you? There's something in your brain, everybody, okay, that helps you forget what the pain felt like, isn't there? Ask any mother. You know what I mean? Okay, you, you, it just, there's something, the, your brain releases a thing that even you, you know the moment was painful, like, you know, the wrist or whatever, but you, you don't still feel the pain of the moment. You have the memory that I know it was painful, but I don't feel the thing. You, you, get what I'm, you get what I'm saying to you, all right? Or maybe something broken in your house. Anything, anything broken in your house at the moment? Hands up. How many of you keep your hands up? If you... Don't you point to your wife. That's terrible. Oh, she's broken. Oh, my word. That's it here in, in the garage tonight. Um, hands still up if you're ignoring it. <laughs> yeah, okay, and you can round and round. I've got to get back to that. I've got to fix that someday. And you're putting it off, and you're putting it off, and you're putting it off, okay? And then two weeks later, you will go and fix it, and you'll think, why did I wait two months for that there? It's, just, it's, it's always the way, okay? You've got to mend things. You've got to fix it. You've got to fix it to forget it. And once you fix it, you can forget it. What about your heart? It's never going to go away until you fix it. What other thing you're putting off in your heart do you want to fix? I'll get back to it. Oh, it's a bit quiet. <laughs> How about that row, that thing? What, just whatever. I'll go, I'll go around, I'll fix it, I will, I'll fix it, and then. But I want to tell you once, you, once you fix it, you can forget it. Amen? I'm telling you. And if we're going to increase our loyalty to the future that God has for us, we've got to forget the past. But here's the rub we can't forget what we won't fix. Oh, I liked it better when you were funny. We can't forget what we won't fix, and we have to fix it to forget it. Here's the thing. We're not without hope. Please lean in. Verse 13 and 14 here is, Paul, I have one thing I do. I'm going to forget what is behind, and I'm straining toward what is ahead. I press on. Listen how the Amplified Version puts it. Oh, are you ready? He says, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward, uh, toward what lies ahead, I press on. It is my one aspiration. How did Paul get past his past? How did the chief of sinners keep forgetting what was behind him? Let's face it, there was a back catalog of stuff 
Long, long list of stuff. How did the chief of sinners keep forgetting what was behind him? How did he then have the energy to strain forward for what lay ahead of him? How did he do it? I will tell you how he did it. Romans 8 verse 1 tells us, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no adjudging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus. These words weren't penned by a man who had heard it, who had learned it from a teacher. These were the words that Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome by someone who had experienced it, who had encountered the fullness of the forgiveness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, who at the cross received the punishment Paul deserved for all his sins. At the cross, Paul was declared not guilty, church. At the cross, Paul was acquitted of every charge. At the cross, Paul was set free to follow Jesus forever. Do you know why Paul could forget what was behind him and strain to what before him? Listen to this. If you remember nothing else, this one line. Paul could forget it because Jesus has fixed it. Come on, somebody. How good is Jesus? And he fixes it at the cross. Paul writes in Colossians 1, 19 to 20, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile, to make equal all things by making peace through his blood shed on the, on the cross. And he carries on, once you were alienated from God and we were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, but now, if ever there was a moment for a but now, who needs the but now? But now. Present tense, but now. Not Thursday. Not last week. Now. Now. Right now. This is what he says about your now. He has reconciled you. Not Paul. This is your tone. Christ's physical body through death to present you. Watch this, what a triplet. Holy in his sight. Without blemish. And free from accusation. Your own space is empty. You have no clubs. Jesus took the clubs away. Now only the blood. Holy. thing they did, the thing they said, oh, it's gone. There's no scars on me anymore. And any scars I have, they've no power. And I'm free from accusation. What's the devil? What's the one of his words? He's the accuser. And you're free from everything. Today's a good day. And I want to tell you, these aren't the words of Paul's. These are the words of your story. If you've encountered the fullness of forgiveness of Jesus, then you need to know that you've been acquitted and declared not guilty. Your conscience is clean and you are released and you're set free. You can forget it because Jesus has fixed it. Amen? And watch this. It's about to get better. The Father forgets 
what the son fixes. It's amazing. Can we have some keys? Hebrews 8 is all about the high priest of a new covenant. A new promise that reveals how Christ's death is enough for all time for all of our sins. And because everyone, our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, the Father no longer counts and sees and holds our sins against us. Verse 12 of Hebrews 8 says this, I will remember their sins when they're bad, when they mess up, and then I'll throw them. No, I will remember their sins no more. Isaiah 43 verse 25, listen, listen to the message. But I, yes I, am the one. This is God saying to you, I am the one who takes care of your sins. Yeah, I got, I will look after that. He says, that's what I do. I don't keep a list of your sins. Isaiah 38 says, verse 17, watch this. Isaiah describes him and he says, Lord, you have put all my sins keep a list. Oh, you can keep a list. You can go to the wrist base if you want, but you won't find me there. I'm over here calling you forward. Oh, that's what I'm doing. And the final thing is this. Why don't we stand, actually? It's really short. Let's stand together in that posture of worship. Come on. And it's a simple thing as this. You've got to switch it to see it. You've got to swap it to stop it. You've got to fix it to forget it. And you've got to switch it to see it. When our kids were born, they were at a certain size where they could sleep in one of the, one of the bedrooms in our house. But they get bigger. They've got to put the girls with the girls and Peter got to remove his own. And so Judith and I had the biggest room in the house, had the, the own suite. And uh, we had to give that to the girls. We were thrilled. So they got this really big room, en suite at the end, quite right. And uh, very often in that room, you know in a bathroom they've got a pull switch? Kids swing on those, apparently. And so this thing, this thing breaks all the time. And Mr. Fix-It waits until my dad comes up and then he fixes it. And uh, so it, recently it broke, or a while ago it broke, and, um, and because it takes a long time for me, it's time like you just put everything off, right? They get ready in the dark. They sit with their phones, put the torch on, you know what I mean? <laughs> Leave their door open, nobody else in the room, they're doing stuff, whatever, right? And my dad was up one weekend and he fixed the switch. The only thing is they didn't know. Listen, listen to me. They didn't know. And so they kept getting ready in the dark, even though they'd access to the light. How many of you need to know that the Father has fixed it and you have access to the light and you're still living in the dark? You have access to a whole new way of living and looking and, it, and we need to switch it to see it. We need to switch our thinking away from what we've done to what Christ has done.
away from what's been done to us toward what has been done for us. Come on, church. Let's get on with it. Let's grab the truth and live from freedom. Not for it. We are free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Today, Lord, we're switching it to see it. going to invite people up in front and stuff and do your prayer but you know what I want you to do where you're at just, just have this personal moment where you're at come on switch it come on turn the light on of faith turn on the light of faith in your life I'm going to live in the light of who Jesus is I'm going to live in the light of who, what Jesus has done I'm going to live in the light of the power of the cross not the power of my past there's no power. There's nothing for you there. But I press on. The one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. Come and let me just prophesy these words again. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Lord Jesus, as open arms, we press on. As individuals, as men and women, we press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus, come on, don't drop your call, don't drop your anointing, don't drop your promises. I know you're upset. I know you're offended. I know you're working through things. I know you haven't got enough to make the bills. I get it. I get it. I get it. But we press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. But one forgetting what is behind because Jesus has fixed it, I strain on to what is ahead and I press on toward the goal because I want to win the prize for which God has called me. Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister in this room. Holy Spirit, would you cut the ties? Would you, Lord, would you, would you get, help us to get rid of the clubs, the old drivers, Lord Jesus? Help us to cast off all restraint in that way. I wonder if anyone here this morning for the first time you'd like to get right with God. You'd like to give your heart to Jesus. Well, what does that mean? It just means that you're going to let Jesus lead your life. He'll become your Savior. He'll get you right with the Father. You don't want to deal with the sin issue in your life. But it'll also be your Lord. He'll lead you every single step of the way to press on towards the goal for which you have been called. You are not here this morning by accident. You are here by design. And God has brought you here for this moment. If you're to get right with God, well, how do I do that? Well, real simple. We're all going to pray a prayer together. I'll lead it line by line. You just follow in, everybody. We'll, we'll all say it together. I'll say amen, and we'll keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. And, and then I'll say this. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it with all your heart, you're here to get right with God, I'll ask you to raise your hand. Well, that's going to be a bit awkward. It's not awkward at all. Well, why do we do it? It's because we want to see a response by faith. But more than that, we want to put some resources into your hand to help you on the next step of your journey. We're not going to call you to the front. We're not going to point out you. We're not going to do any of that. It's just a simple response to help us, some pretty practically, really. And then we'll do amen. Might have a quick song. So if you're here today and you think, I'm, I've, my moment, this is my I don't understand all of this. I'm not sure about the Bible. 
that you're able to understand it, but I know I have had everything else in life and nothing has worked. And I'm spending too long in the attic with my old clubs, my old memories and my old hurts. So here comes the prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess my need of a Savior. I confess my sins and receive your forgiveness that you won for me on the cross. Help me, Lord Jesus, to walk in the light of all that you have done for me. Come into my life, take the lead, and be my Lord. And together, we'll do life together until we meet each other face to face in heaven. Amen.